It's August 6, 2020, and you're listening to the Architecture Geeks podcast. I'm Larry. And I'm Matthew. And we're your friendly neighborhood architects being geeky as we want to be. Well, hello again, everybody. Thank you for allowing us to take a whole extra week off. I mean, well, not necessarily a whole extra week, but a whole week off. <laughs> uh, it's been a long time since we actually had um, had a gap where we didn't have a podcast. I can't. We started doing these weekly, what, back in March or beginning of April? It's been a pretty intense few months in, in the podcast world. <laughs> Yeah, that seems so strange. I'm like, yeah, um, well, and, and last week anyway, I was I ended up taking off. I took off Thursday and Friday, so I was technically not here to podcast, although technically I was home. So, you know, it's in the in the age of pandemic, it has become the staycation, which I discovered I'm not really good at. It was like having two extra weekend days, and I I think there's that that urge that I feel like I should be doing something really productive because I've given myself this extra time to do, you know, to, to not work and to just sort of decompress from that. And then it occurred to me, well, you don't do that on vacation. You don't go like to Key West and then think, well, I've got to get all these things done today. <laughs> you, you sleep in, you have lunch, you walk around, you have a few drinks in the afternoon, you take a nap, you go to happy hour and you go to dinner and you go out. I mean, that's vacation. And somehow being at home and thinking, well, I need to sweep all the floors and dust all the rooms and clean out the flower beds. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm technically on vacation. I should be doing none of those things. Oh, vacation in the age of pandemic. Yeah, de definitely vacation in the age of pandemic. But it is what it is. So we are back and we want to thank you guys for joining us. And we thought we might get a little bit into, because people are actually doing a lot more work right now than we were expecting. So there are owners out there who are finally getting into doing some sort of project. And I don't always know that they know what to expect. Yeah, I'm guessing people may just got tired of looking at the, the same four walls in their house and and just, oh my gosh, need to do something different now. <laughs> yeah, either that or like, wait, I, I really need an office because I, I can't have the kids running in here every 10 minutes. This isn't working for me. Yeah, so today we thought we'd talk about what people don't consider when wanting to build. And we thought we'd hit three points, uh, builder cost versus contractor cost, levels of material quality, because there's so much in the way of choice that you can really get into there. And then just time frame of construction, because, you know, everybody's got a little bit of a different schedule and not everything lines up. Yeah. Yeah. A, a slightly different idea of what schedule's going to be. Definitely. Yeah. But but we thought we'd talk talk first about really the builder cost versus contractor cost because there is a a real leap here, and and I think people maybe have a hard time grasping it because you'll talk to an owner and they will tell you, well, first of all, they'll ask you to start from, well, how much is this going to cost? And like Matt and I mentioned in a previous podcast, we don't give detailed breakdowns for budgets, and and and. 23 years of doing this, I've never once been at a place that's given a client a, a detailed breakdown of budget. We can do cost per square foot, but even that sometimes people get a little flipped out by. 
And I have heard more than once the comment that, well, I can get a builder to do it for this, or someone said a builder should be able to do it for this. And then you get into that question of, well, there's contractor cost and there's builder cost. So if you're going to be doing construction, here's something you need to consider. Contractor cost is for cost for individual project. And a lot of times we'll tell people we have a general feel for the market. We know that something may cost 200 bucks a square foot, 250 bucks a square foot. By contrast, we'll, we'll have people come back to us and say, you know, I don't, and I, Matthew, I don't know if you guys have heard this in your office, but I've had people come up to me and say, well, well, someone said a builder should be able to do it for 90 bucks a square foot. And, and I just have to stop. And, and it's, it's, having to remind people that there is a significant difference between a builder and a contractor. And if you're talking about builder, you're talking about someone who's doing tract homes. You're talking about someone who's doing entire neighborhoods. So yes, they can build it for $90 a square foot, but they can do that because they're building 250 to 300 homes at one, you know, at one go. And typically not all at one go, but like it's not uncommon for them to build perhaps 20 to 30 houses at a time. So, when it comes down to cost per square foot, you're getting quite the cut in just, it's almost like for mass producing, I guess. And, and I don't know, is that is that the best way you think you, to describe that? It's sort of like the mass production aspect? Economies of scale, I think, I think is what you're looking for. Yeah, because I actually, I actually, when, when you put these in the notes, I actually didn't know what the difference was. I, I've had a similar experience to what you described where, oh, well, the builder said we can add another garage for another 25,000. I'm like, yeah, a builder can do that for 25,000. But now that you're saying that, that builder also has the manpower and the resources and everything else already in motion because he's doing 20 or 30 other ones, like you said. And so then just adding, you know, another garage isn't really that big of a deal for him when he's already has his production machine ramped up. Oh, de- definitely. And it's, and I, I like that the economy of scale because it's true. It's that whole notion of you are, you know, you're, you're not ordering 20 light fixtures for somebody you're ordering 2000 light fixtures. So your, your supplier tends to give you a nicer cut. So, so there is that thing too. Plus, plus the individual contractor has, you know, they're, they're not a, multi-billion dollar corporation or a multi-million dollar corporation they are an individual contractor and so their their overhead is going to be a little more and they on the on the other side of that though is that that 200 or 250 dollars a square foot is going to get you one of the things that that you know we really wanted to talk about here too is that you're paying 90 dollars a square foot you're paying to get it done in three months and move in $250 a square foot, you're paying for quality that by the end of the project, you know that what's been done is as close to perfect as it can get. And I think that sort of takes us into, into the second aspect of this, which really is the quality of the construction and quality of materials. You know, what are your options when it comes to really doing construction in, in, in that regard in particular? Yeah, the, the captain obvious answer is everything you put into a new construction project has a price, even if you're reusing materials. But within that statement, I feel like there is a world of nuance that should be considered and is often overlooked. And I'll I'll start with the foundations, the very first thing that gets built when you start construction. 
here in North Texas, we have very shifty and expansive clay soils. And when you're looking to consider a new project, this soil type needs to be taken into consideration. And a client may say, well, let's just put a normal foundation on it. Well, what's normal? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, generally they're thinking, well, just you just have to pour a slab and we'll be fine. Yeah, and, and, and you can, but you can also put as much of a foundation on your project as money can buy. For your average Joe developer, the easiest and most cost-effective uh, foundation to put down is just a slab on grade. And that's, you know, that's where they just pour the concrete into a, into, into a form and, and, and call it a day. Well, the, uh, oversimplifying it quite a bit, but. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's, that really is, that's what we're talking about is, is taking a, a forming up the foundation and not, not going to any extreme to avoid potential problems down the road necessarily, because like you said, we have very shifty soil and, and honestly you could take the F out of that and it would, perfectly describe the soil here in Texas. So, so there's that potential for, you can do it on the, on the, you know, cheap quality side, so to speak, the, the cheaper end of things to just do a slab, but you are potentially setting yourself up for more problems later down the road. And I know that there's typically here, if you and I are, are because of the projects we do, we, we typically try to stay away from that. Uh, I don't know that I've, I've worked on any project that we've done just a slab and even the ones we did slabs were, were done differently. So it's not your typical, well, you think it was a typical slab or a typical builder slab. Most of the stuff we do is sort of the next step up in quality and that's pier and beam foundations where we're actually drilling piers down to bedrock and then creating grade beams so that your foundation is pretty much guaranteed not to move and you can't it, it's going to have a little bit of movement potentially just from just nature so to speak but when you start getting into spending money when you start getting into 250 bucks a square foot your quality is going to go up and that's one of those things like you mentioned it's a big part of the house it's the foundation so you're spending money to make sure that you don't have problems with doors opening because the slab has shifted or cracks in the walls because the slabs have sh slab has shifted. You're, you're spending money on the very basic part of the house. That's really going to, that you want to last as long as humanly possible. So we've mentioned slab on grade, which is by far the most common and least expensive and lowest quality foundation. And we've gone to the other stream, which is the, the pier and beam. And, and you can spend as much money as you want, on the pier and on the pier and beam foundation <clears throat> but there's also a third option uh, that you have in terms of quality and it's a hybrid slab on grade and to start this foundation you put piers into the ground that rest on bedrock and then pour that traditional slab on grade and then once the slab has been poured you, you insert these little really special screws into the into the slab and then the, the and then the the screws get hydraulically tightened and as they sink into the slab they're actually pushing against the piers and this causes the entire concrete foundation to raise up a little bit and i i've really i i i actually just discovered this a, a couple years ago but it, it's so essentially what you're doing is you're, you're floating a, a slab on grade on piers so it's kind of a hybrid between the two 
but in terms of cost, it, it cuts right in the middle between that slab on grade and the pier and beams because you're not really getting either of them. You're kind of getting both, but in terms of cost, it, it, it lands right about in the middle of it. So even in the most basic part of a house, there's different levels of quality that you can achieve. And that level of quality is one many people re really never consider when looking to start a new project. And that's true for foundations as much as it is for simpler aspects like cabinets. Yeah, I, I just went through the the cabinet thing with a client. She she went to a a cabinet um, showroom and got the the proposed numbers back. You know, she picked out all the things she wanted for the cabinets and got the proposed numbers back. And the kitchen alone came out came in at three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Jeez. Yeah, and and she's like, no, I think I'm going to have the contractors guys build them. Well, yeah, yeah, you are because that's insane. But but people don't think about you know when when you're talking when you're building you're, you're thinking quality you're thinking, well you know cabinets one well honestly I believe cabinets shouldn't cost that much especially just for a kitchen, but something as simple as cabinets you're you're going to have low end you're going to have high end you're going to have the guys that smack in the middle, and a lot of builder houses you know when we talk about you know, people expecting ninety bucks a square foot, you're not getting the best cabinet works. Um, you're not even you're not getting like plywood boxes. You're getting particle board boxes. So the quality of the overall cabinets aren't really built to last really long term. I mean, they're they're okay cabinets, but they're not great. And then you get into sort of that medium where you can go and get prefab cabinets, but you're limited to what you're doing. And then you get into the really custom cabinets, where your architect is typically drawing things and the detailing the cabinets themselves. We used to do this all the time. I mean, I've done so many cabinet sections, so many paneling drawings. I, I, it's just too numerous to count because this is the way we used to do it all the time. And you get into really, really custom aspects of it, so your cost starts to go up. But people people don't think of the quality that they're getting when they're talking about cabinets. Well, I don't want to pay that much for cabinets. Can't we do this? And the answer is, well, yes, we can. But in five years or six years, you may be replacing some of those cabinets because they're just not going to hold up as well. And, and the same thing is true of something as simple as plumbing fixtures. Because people, I, I've had more than one conversation, well, you know, I can go down to Home Depot and get it. And I don't, I don't know that, I, I don't know how you guys select your, your plumbing fixtures in y'all's office. But we always try to go to, we, you know, we always want to send a client to Sherman. And I'm assuming you guys do the same thing. We most often just leave it up to the. <laughs> we most often just leave it up to the the owner. We we, we just like owner specified and then they provide it. <laughs> it's, it's not not nearly really? as exciting. Yeah, it's not nearly as exciting as because well, the on the few houses we've done, James has been able to work with us. Like we'll just spec a generic one and then James will coordinate with the owner. Oh, we like this one. We like that one. And then somehow they'll order it and it'll show up on site and we don't get really that involved with it. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's, that's a little surprising because, you know, I'm, I'm talking with clients and they're, you know, they're, they're wanting to go down to Home Depot and get something. I'm like, same question. It's going to last you about a year and then you're going to replace it. And, and on top of that, you've got to deal with now that, Thanks to the to the internet, anybody can order a plumbing fixture, but no one seems to think about things like 
you know, here's one of the things you're going to have to consider is one, you have to have it delivered Two, you have to store it somewhere. And three, you have to make sure that it shows up on site when it's supposed to be on site. And that's no longer the contractor's responsibility because you've ordered it. That's your responsibility. And if it comes out and it's broke and you have to order a new one, then you have to deal with that too. People get so excited about, you know, well, oh, I can just order it online and I can save myself the cost and overhead. And you're like, well, yes, yes, you can. But how much is your time worth? And how much is your time worth if a year into the, you know, into living in the house or within your one year warranty period, if that fixture breaks, your cost, you're, you're paying the cost to replace the fixture, you're paying the cost to have the plumber come out and replace it. And God forbid they should have to do something to the countertop that it's lodged in. You're also paying to have that fixed as well. I mean, there, there are so much potential, potential problems from doing that, from ordering it yourself. And people don't, well, I, and I don't think that people don't consider that. I think people just don't maybe understand that. Yeah, there's there's a certain separation of there's a certain separation between the the what the client sees and what actually happens behind the scenes because the the contractor is actually taking on a certain amount of risk when he when he when he purchases the materials and then and then either stores them on site or or off site and and then has to ship them to the site that I don't think a lot of people are aware of. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, I, I think, I, I think you're right. It's just more of an awareness issue. And, and of course we try to, we try to educate our clients about those sorts of things. And so that they understand what they're getting, in, you know, getting into. And I have had clients who've gotten stuff shipped to their house, shipped to the job site and it's gotten opened and it's been broken. And, it needed to be installed the next day. So now as a client, you have to go back and, and call the supplier. You have to reorder. You have to find out how long it's going to take to get it. And the question is, how much does it delay your project? And I think that takes us, takes us sort of into that, that idea, too, of you know the last thing we really wanted to talk about, which is time frame. Yeah, I, I feel like time frames are one of the most important, but also one of the least considered aspects when clients are looking to build. And it's also one of our most frequent questions. How long will it take to build a project like ours? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I, I think it's probably the, the either it comes up in the, in the initial interview or it comes up in the first design meeting. Yeah. And, and for, for many residential or smaller commercial projects, there is a period of time after they've hired the architect to draw the preliminary design and before they get their first cost meant that there's that there's a sort of indecision you know if the project comes in way over budget or if any other number of financials po- financial issues pop up then the whole project is a wash and nothing comes of it but once the stars align and everything's within budget the client's on board and the general contractor is ready to go then it's automatically assumed we'll be ready to build this in no time. Let's go. And, and, and it's all downhill from here. Right. <laughs> and, and my first thought is, <laughs> my first thought is we've made a good first step, but there's still a long way to go. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that, you know, we all know what rolls downhill. Uh, <laughs> 
but yeah, it's it's that initial like, okay, well, well, once you have design done, how long is it going to take? Well, okay, let's start with design because we need to give an establish some sort of time frame from when we start this project to when we're actually ready to build because a lot of clients don't realize that time is that that portion of the schedule is up to them. And I try to tell clients that I, that usually we can move as fast as you can move within reason. So if you're good at making decisions, we can get there much faster. If you hem and haw and change your mind a lot, this project is going to stretch out over a significant amount of time. Yeah, and, and there are so many different factors governing a project's time frame once decisions have been made. When is the construction starting? If you're starting in the construction in the fall or winter, be prepared for weather delays depending on where you live. Is your project larger and more expensive or is it smaller in scope? Because if you live in an area where there's a construction boom happening, like here in North Texas, up until recently at least, many contractors will prioritize the larger and more expensive projects and push the smaller projects down the priority list because there's an oversupply of work and contractors can't afford to be picky with what projects they take. Yeah, well, and and not only is it that the contractors themselves can be picky about the projects they're taking, it's the subcontractors as well, because I've had projects in the past where the contractor was having trouble getting his framers to show up because they had another project or another two projects somewhere else where they were being paid an extra 50 cents an hour to do that work. And so suddenly they were really much more interested in working on that project because they were busy enough and it was slowing my project down. <laughs> and, and the poor contractor was just so frustrated with it. It, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. I had a couple in my neighborhood come to me with a mother-in-law suite edition and asked if I could recommend any contractors to them. They already had the design and they were looking to build, but they had entered the construction portion of the project. And every contractor they had seen just kept pushing them, you know, three months down their schedule. Oh, come back to me in a couple more months. I don't know what ended up happening to their projects, but I wasn't able to help them much because the the two contractors I put them in contact with told my neighbors they didn't have the bandwidth to take on another project at their at that time but come back and get in touch later and 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 yeah and and, and all all of that isn't taking into consideration the time that it will take to make decisions about the project like you said earlier clients who might not know exactly what they want when starting a project may change things as the project progresses or might mull on important decisions over for a while. The decision-making is a hard thing to do when remodeling and even harder when building from scratch. That's that's just one more aspect, taking up more time and, and pushing that schedule, either pushing or condensing that schedule, depending on how fast you're able to do these things and and all of them are important variables to consider and maybe overlooked when starting a new project. Well yeah and and when it comes to schedule two we we often get into the question of well can I live in the house? And people some people I mean honestly don't even think about the fact that there's going to be so much construction going on. There is no way you're living here. Uh, we had one um, architect friend of mine who he had two older gentlemen, and one of the guys was in a wheelchair. 
the extent of the renovation. Uh, I don't think there was a room in the house that was really not being touched. And then we're talking like walls coming out and all the drywall being replaced. They were convinced for a little while that they were going to live in the front bedroom and use the front bathroom and they could live in the house during construction. And he finally sat them down and said, this is not going to happen, guys. You're going to have to actually move out. And that's what we typically tell people. You know, we're, we're talking about schedule. We're talking about time frame for construction. We're often talking about this is how long you're going to live somewhere else. This is how long you're going to have to get an apartment for. I was just having the conversation a couple of days ago. I said, yeah, you probably would be safe with a six-month lease. And that should get you through the construction project. And you're just going to have to have to go with that. Because, again, it's one of these projects where we're probably – there probably isn't a part of the house we're not touching in one way or the other. So, yeah, when, when you're talking about the things that people don't consider, that's just another one of those items that, you know, within the schedule itself is how do we, how do we actually live through the project without actually living through the project? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's all those conversations we get to have that, that I don't think anyone ever really prepares us for. I think we just have to learn along the way. Um, and, and honestly, I don't know about you, but I've gotten pretty good at it. I'm sure, I'm sure your boss has, has the, um, has a level of experience where he can pretty much have that conversation and not make people feel bad about things. Yeah. I'm still learning that conversation and the, and the nuances and the ins and outs of it, but true. definitely has it down a little bit better than me at this point. <laughs> well, well, and you'll get there. You'll get there eventually, and then you'll then you'll really be sorry. Uh. <laughs> but anyway, guys. Uh, so yeah, so that's, those are just some of the things that you know. If you're going to build something, if if you're an uh, owner out there and you're listening and you want to do a project, just those are just some of the things that you're going to have to start considering. You know, thinking about your quality of materials, thinking about what the actual cost really means, and talking about. And having the open conversation with your contractor, with your builder, and saying, you know, these are the things I'm concerned with. And even if, if that means time frame, because some people might not feel comfortable being gone for six months. They might feel like, well, I have one client. She has spent a month in Florida. She's back here for a month. She's going to be in Breckenridge for the next two months after that. She's sort of hopping around, <laughs> just trying to find places to stay while her construction's going on. Um so those are all things that you're going to have to consider as you're, as you're doing a project. And in the end, everything will work out in its own way. Uh, hopefully you don't have to extend your lease somewhere an extra month or two. And I've gone through that with a client or two. For the most part, though, um, if you have those conversations right up front, then, then you really will, will know what you need to consider when you're getting ready to start building. And it's going to make it a much easier process. In the meantime, if you aren't ready to build then we should probably let you guys go. Uh, <laughs> we, we are nearing the end of the week. The weather's finally relatively decent for Texas. And uh, I think it's almost time for, for my evening walk. So we really appreciate you guys listening. If, if you want to reach me, you know you can find me at Spotted Dog Architecture and at Spotted Dog Arch on most of the social media stuff. And if you want to reach Matthew... You can find me at ArchGeekMatt on Twitter. Yay. So there we go, guys. Well, we hope everyone's doing well and enjoying their summer as best as you can. And 
getting ready to start school again, whatever that means. I know I have clients who are, who are not the best at homeschooling. Um, so I think they're ready to get back out there. But in the meantime, you guys be safe. And we will talk to you here, hopefully, in another week. Bye. Bye.